0: Wouldn't it suck if I really talk like that? Without further ado, here's your host, life coach, speaker, all around badass, Amy E. Smith. Well, hello, pod people, Amy here, and I'm really excited to be kicking off a new series all around perfectionism. So if you are new to the show, here is how things are going to be rolling out in the future. We are going to be doing a series that will encompass about three to four episodes, Around one specific topic. So, we just completed one around imposter complex. And now we're going to be going into one around perfectionism. So, what we have on the docket is I'm going to be doing a solo episode today as sort of a precursor to what to expect as we go through the series, give you a bunch of tips and tools and some ways to start combating that obsessive urge to be perfect at absolutely everything. Next week, we are going to dial up an expert. I am going to be seeing if I could possibly reach two dear colleagues of mine who run a brand called F Perfect, which is pretty much amazing. We're also going to be doing a tools episode around human design. That'll be coming up shortly. If you haven't heard of human design, it's a really awesome way to understand who you are. It's a phenomenal tool, and I'm going to be talking to a beautiful colleague of mine named Kelsey Abbott all about how we can use human design to help With that constant need to perfect. And then finally, you will hear a session from me coming up on this series about uh, what it sounds like for me to coach somebody specifically around perfectionism. So that's what to expect over the next handful of episodes. And if you have any sort of topics that you would really like for me to cover or a series that you would like for me to do, you can certainly go over to thejoyjunkie.com, my website, and there's an area under the podcast. That you can submit show ideas. If you have questions, if there's things that have come up for you, I would love to hear from you. It really helps me frame these up. So as I mentioned this week, I'm going to kick this off. This was actually a suggestion from one of the Beautiful audience members who said, I think it might be curious if we switched up the order of these four episodes and sometimes we're going to have three. Sometimes we'll have four. But I do like more of an in-depth process around a topic that a lot of people grapple with. And this is one of those topics that I hear constantly. So let's, let's dig into this a little bit more. What is perfectionism? Well, I really think that what perfectionism is – is a behavioral manifestation of a deep-seated belief. Now, I think that it is largely correlated to a belief around worthiness, around enoughness. The idea is that I have this deep-seated belief, this core belief, disempowering belief, that I need to prove my worth through perfecting whatever it might be, being a perfect parent, having a perfect body, doing a perfect presentation at work. You fill in the blanks. Sometimes it is obsessing about how something needs to be done. So for example, for me, for many, many years, there was a very specific rule I had about what it meant to get ready, to get dolled up. It There was a very calculated, precise method. <laughs> and if I didn't do any of that, it rocked my world. It rocked my identity. It gave me anxiety. And now we're talking a good 15 years ago or so. In fact, in coaching school, I remember this is probably in the early to mid 2000s, There was a portion that we were doing around identity, and the challenge that they gave me was to go wash my face and to not have makeup on. And when I tell you I had an (laughs) out-of-body, I had a fucking out-of-body, it was incredibly difficult for me because I attached so much of my identity to how I looked. Now, at the time, when I was going to coaching school, I was also involved in the fashion industry. I was working as a makeup artist. So a lot of what I was doing was in aesthetics and was about image. And I had collapsed a lot of my self-worth with what I looked like. And that meant that there were very specific pieces of criterion that needed to be met in order for me to feel calm and safe and secure. So that also brings me to identifying that it is a defense mechanism, right? Like we don't just develop perfectionism for the fuck of it. We do it because it gives us something. It allows us to maintain an element of identity. It proves our worth. And in a lot of ways, that registers in our mind as keeping us safe, So like any other type of behavioral manifestation, it starts around a specific belief. And this is something I work constantly with my students who go through my Deep Down and Dirty program or my one-on-one clients. This is my whole ideology is that at the root of any type of behavior, and when I say behavior, perfectionism is a behavior. It's something that we do. People-pleasing is a behavior. It's something that we do. Controlling things is a behavior. It's something that we try to do. And all of those things are manifestations of what we believe about ourselves. So it's highly likely that if you have the behavior of perfectionism, that there is some sort of intrinsic belief that you have formed, spoiler alert, largely during childhood, but not always. Sometimes it develops later on in life through a set of circumstances or a different chapter in your life. But we create this understanding of, oh, here's how I can stay safe. So whereas some people might develop people-pleasing, as a habit, as a behavioral pattern. Oh, here's how I can prove my value. Here's how I can prove my worth. So when you notice that, okay, I grew up in a family where there was incredible pressure to perform or to be perfect, then you can understand why that behavioral mechanism may have kicked in for you, that defense mechanism to go, okay, here's how I can be seen in my family of origin. Maybe it's something like you had a sibling who maybe had special needs, and because of that, that sibling got all of the attention, so you thought, okay, here's a way that I can stand out. Maybe if I'm flawless in school, maybe if I attain all of these degrees or do all of these extracurricular activities, then maybe I will prove that I'm worthy of attention and love and affection from my family of origin. Now, this does not necessarily mean that there's any type of detrimental behavior or abuse or anything that happens from our parents. Now, sometimes there is, of course, but what I want you to see is that we are framed by our experiences, again, largely as children, where we go through a certain set of circumstances and then we create a belief about whatever it is that we're going through, and then we develop a coping mechanism to survive that. Now, and when I say survive that, I don't necessarily mean that it's You know, a a volatile situation, but we develop things to go, okay, here's how I can be seen. Here's how I can identify myself. Here's how I can stay safe. And perfectionism is one of them. Now, the other thing that we really need to underline here is that it doesn't actually exist. Now, does perfectionism exist? Of course, but actually attaining perfection does not exist. So what does that mean? That means that we set a bar that is so high that it is actually unattainable. So by continuing to strive for that and strive for that and strive for that and strive for that, we inevitably always come up empty because nothing is ever fully perfect. And that creates a cyclical loop of us believing in our not enoughness. Believing that we are not valuable, believing that no matter what we do, it's simply not enough. So, you have this way in which that root belief that's already there of I'm not enough. So, let me try to be perfect, 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 and let me strive, 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 and do all of the things flawlessly, but I can never attain that, which reinforces this belief that I am not enough. And then the cycle continues. So let's talk a little bit more about what this defense mechanism is about, and then we'll look at what are some ways that we can start shifting that and changing that. So first off, I've mentioned that it's a defense mechanism. Let's talk about a few pieces under that. It's commonly tied, like I mentioned, to that deep-seated belief that you are not enough. So if we already feel an element of pain, we are going to strive to do something to alleviate that pain. So the notion in the head is always going to be, okay, if only I get this one more piece of credential or education, or if once this person accepts me or loves me, or once I graduate with this, or once I write this book, or once all of these pieces of flawless criteria are met, maybe then, maybe then I'll be worthy. Maybe then I'll be valuable. Now, there's another huge element here around this defense mechanism concept is that there's a fear that this is so much a part of my identity that I don't even know who I would be if I wasn't constantly striving for perfect. It's a behavioral pattern, right? It's something that has been created as a habit. And for many people, for many high achievers, which are a lot of the people who listen to the show you have gotten to your level of success because of striving for excellence because you have held your feet to the fire and have said you have to be perfect and that is what ha- and that is what has allowed you to fill all those boxes and make sure that you're you know looking great on paper but what it doesn't do is it doesn't make you happy. It doesn't give you that fulfillment. And that is what we are always looking for. Human beings by nature, we are always in either the pursuit of pleasure or the avoidance of pain. Those are the two primary human drivers. So if we have something in our life that we go, okay, if I can be perfect at this thing, at this job, at this project with my body, That will give me pleasure, right? Then I will feel worthy. And conversely, we have developed the belief that if I don't execute things perfectly and flawlessly, that will create an element of pain. So we've associated the pain and the pleasure in a skewed way as it relates to perfectionism. Another way that it shows up as a defense mechanism is the way in which we use it to control things. And we can usually tell if we're trying to have this tight death grip on control because it feels really shitty. And when I say it feels really shitty, it's usually anxiety-inducing. I'll give you an example. Years and years ago, Mr. Smith and I used to have a lot of themed parties, and I wanted them to be perfect. So there were all of these gift bags, all of these different games that we played, and I handmade all of the different elements of the game. I would hand make the gift bags and get all these cute prizes. There was all sorts of decorations. And I remember having a moment at one of these parties where Mr. Smith was not cutting the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Because we were doing an 80s theme. So we had, you know, like squeezes and nerds candy and peanut butter and jelly and all these things from our, you know, youth. And he wasn't cutting them at an angle the way that I wanted them. And my, that perfectionism was showing up as control. And so watching him cut them that way, I'm like wringing my hand right now, if I wish you could see it. It gave me so much anxiety Because I was going, that's not how it's supposed to be. And in that moment, what I think is so incredibly important to illuminate is that was not contributing to excellence. That was not getting me ahead in life. That was not catering to my success. That was stealing my motherfucking joy. Because who the hell is going to care if my sandwiches are cut into triangles or squares? But what did I do? I snapped at him. I got irritated with him and made something a big deal that did not have to be. But I was trying to control the situation and it felt awful. So I think there's a distinction between when we value accuracy, precision, excellence, accomplishment, when it really does fulfill us and it brings us a lot of great joy But I would say that there is a larger majority of the time that it actually robs us of that joy. Are there times when being in control is incredibly important? Absolutely. Absolutely. But then there are situations like that, and this is what I hear from a large swath of my students and clients, where it's actually infringing on them having the happiness and the joy and, again, that pursuit of pleasure that we're actually striving for to begin with. Another way that it shows up and thwarts our success is because it's a major contributing factor to procrastination. How many times, recovering perfectionists out there, have you wanted to accomplish something? Maybe you wanted to go back to school or you wanted to start your own business or you wanted to write a book or you wanted to get a degree But you felt like it had to look a very specific way in order for you to go after it. Or how about this one? I'm not going to get back into the dating scene until I've lost 30 pounds, 50 pounds, 10, 100, whatever. We put all these criteria in there of I'm not valuable yet. That's what you're really saying. I'm not enough. I'm not worthy yet. But then that yet – is the problem because we chase and chase and chase and we never actually get there. So we've identified some ways in which this defense mechanism of perfectionism is we're trying to stay safe, we're trying to stay comfortable because we don't believe that we are enough, we're afraid that this fear is, you know, so great because it has so much to do with our identity and it's catered to all of this success in our life. It's holding on to all of this control, trying to find that way in which we can be valuable, putting things off, procrastinating like crazy and in fact you're going to hear me talk about that a lot when I do my coaching session a little bit later on in this series it stops our success far more frequently than it actually caters to our success. I need you to hear that again. Perfectionism thwarts our success far more commonly than it caters to our success. It doesn't actually give us what we are looking for so what do we what do we do about it okay what what can I start to actually put into action to start changing some of these behavioral tactics all right well first and foremost if you have not caught the workshop that I have done specifically around combating some of these behavioral tendencies of people pleasing perfectionism self-doubt control Please go have a watch through that workshop. It's completely complimentary. It's a masterclass. I talk all about the subconscious versus the conscious. I talk about reasons that if you've been accumulating a lot of self-help, reading a lot of books, going to classes, but not really implementing it, I like to call this collecting personal development, why you are not seeing definitive changes in your life. Please go to joyjunkie.com slash workshop. It'll give you a ton of great solutions, have a pen and paper handy. This is truly the nucleus of what I do. A lot of times I see people who come into my program, my Deep Down and Dirty program, This is their deep-seated belief that somehow I'm not enough, I'm not worthy, I'm not valuable, I'm not lovable. We have different semantics around it. But basically it means I'm straight up not enough. And because of that, I'm going to do all these other things like people please. I'm going to try to make everybody else happy. I'm going to try to garner all of this love and attention and affection leads us to doing things like reaching out to the wrong friendships or allowing really shitty behavior from our family or our friends, allowing really toxic relationships, interpersonal relationships, whether it's intimate or friendship relationships. So if that is you – and you know that you need to take it to the next level, then deep down and dirty could really be an amazing solution for you. But your first step, if you are interested in working with me, if you are interested in really unraveling that stuff, your first step is that workshop, thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop. All right, so let's talk about four major things, and you're gonna wanna have a pen and paper handy because I've got a couple of acronyms and things that will be helpful for you to start changing some of these behaviors. Number one, you have got to stop identifying as a perfectionist. Stop labeling yourself with that badge of honor. It is not a badge of honor. It is a badge of, it's the thief of joy. (laughs) That's what it really is. It is stealing your joy. And if you have it manifest in procrastination like a lot of people do, It's stealing your successes. It's stealing your dreams. All right? So we've got to stop glorifying this notion of being a perfectionist. Now, are there ways in which it has kept you safe or provided something for you? Of course. And we can always be grateful for that. But once we learn better, we need to do better. Once we have a new type of tool to work with, then we have to employ that. Instead of going back to the old defense mechanisms that we did before we knew better. In our society, we glorify this idea of perfectionism. You can see it everywhere. In industry, in business, in where we talk about women's bodies. We have this standard. I mean, look at what's happening now just with filters, and the detriment of filters and airbrushing and all of that on our society and the implication of what's real versus what's not real, it's incredibly damaging. We have got to stop acting as though this is an amazing thing to be. I don't know if, if you can relate to this, but I remember back in the day, probably a good 25 years ago when I was learning about how to interview for a job – they would always tell us when people say, what is your greatest obstacle? What's your biggest downfall that you need to work on your biggest challenge? And we were coached to say, well, I'm just such an extreme perfectionist. And sometimes it's hard for me to let go of things that I want to finesse or, you know, create in a more of an excellent way. And just that notion that (laughs) That that would be sort of this admirable kind of a way to say you have an obstacle, but it's not really. It's kind of this amazing thing about me is already detrimental. You can have a job well done. You can do things with excellence and let go of perfectionism. All right. So the first step of that is going to be stop identifying as a perfectionist, perfectionist uh, in remission, a recovering perfectionist. I am relinquishing my perfectionist tendencies. I'm changing my uh, association with perfectionism or the notion of perfect. Just stop labeling yourself as that because whatever you say after those words of I am becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And if it's not something that you want to stay identified with, we've got to stop calling yourself that, okay? Number two, I want you to start getting to the bottom of what your deep-seated belief is. What do you make it mean if you are not perfect? What do you make it mean if you are not perfect? That will start to clue you in to what your deep-seated belief is. And again... If it is something like, well, then people won't accept me or then I won't be lovable or then I don't think that I would even know who I am because that's been my identity this entire time. All of those things are indicative of your relationship with self. It's not about the project. It's not about the perfect outfit or the perfect body or the perfect job or accolade or whatever it is. It's about how you connect with you. And a lot of times what we will do is we will hunt for things externally because it's too hard to look at our own relationship with ourselves. It's too painful. Sometimes it's cloaked in hurt and sadness and pain from our youth. And it's easier to focus on cutting those damn sandwiches into triangles. It's easier to make it about that. It's easier to make it about building the perfect website or finishing your degree. It's easier to make it about those things than to actually look inwardly and connect with who you are and where some of these beliefs may have been formed. Now again, this is what I do. This is what I do in Deep Down and Dirty with my women, with my students all the time. And the, the two most prevailing behavioral tactics, defense mechanisms, are people pleasing and perfectionism. And they are manifestations, again, of just that I'm not I'm not enough I'm not worthy so let's focus out here focus out here so again catch that workshop if that's you but this question to journal around of what do you make it mean if you are not perfect that's a great place to start so that you can start untangling what you make that mean and you can use a concept of I think I think it's called the five whys Where if you say, what do you make it mean if you are not perfect? Well, then people won't like me. Why does that matter? Well, because then I might not have any friends. And why does that matter? Well, because I definitely want to connect with people and I want to stay, you know, happy and fulfilled in my relationships. And why does that matter? And you just keep digging down, digging down as far as you can. Until you really get some of those aha moments around what has been my collapse of meaning with perfectionism. All right. Number three, this is going to be a very tactile action step and you may have to get some accountability around this. So whatever it is for you, tackle now, finesse later. And I want you to use that as the mantra. So for example, if you are wanting to submit, submit a piece of writing for publication, tackle it right now. Don't think, oh, well, I need to go take this other writing class, or I need to do this, or I need to do that, or blah, 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 blah. and all the things that, again, lead to procrastination, thwarting your joy, tackle it now, finesse it later. When I tell you that this concept has changed my entire life, I'm not exaggerating. Because I will hem and haw and ruminate till the cows come home. But if I just tell myself that there's permission to finesse it later, that just handle it right now and go back later, finesse it later, it still gives me that comfort of, You don't have to do a shitty-ass job. You do have the option to come back and finesse it later. But I do like that wording a lot. Tackle it now, finessing it later. Not perfect it later. Finesse it. Gussy it up. Spruce it up. Add additions to it. So I've I've talked to you all a lot about how I've taught deep, down, and dirty. Deep, down, and dirty – I started, actually, well, many, many years ago in a lot of iterations and then relaunched it in 2015. And the 2015 version versus where it is now is light years away. I have added so much different stuff. But if I would have waited, if I would have not started and finessed as I went along, I would not actually have the insight to finesse it because when I started teaching, as I developed it and as I was conveying it to students, then they would ask me these brilliant questions that would then feed new content, new ways of describing things, new tools. I had to tackle it now so that I could finesse it later. Okay? There's so much about life that has to be finessed later because you have to tackle it now to learn the lessons, to glean the new tips, the new tools, the new ideas, all right? So start start thinking about that as a concept. All right, number four. We are going to now change the goal. We are going to strive for excellence. I'm not going to take that away from you. It's not that we are going to go to the absolute extreme where we say, okay, if I'm not going to be perfect, I'm going to be shitty and I'm going to have no work ethic or I'm not going to do anything to take care of my physical body. Or We're not saying that. We're just saying I'm not going to keep striving for something that doesn't exist keeps me in procrastination, keeps me feeling wildly out of control, and steals my fucking joy. That's what we are saying. You still get to be excellent. You still get to care about precision and accuracy, but not at all costs, not at the cost of your own happiness and fulfillment, okay? If it's not excellence, come up with another word. I don't care. But we've got to stop shooting for perfect because we never achieve it. We never get there. All right. So here's a couple of things that we can start doing in order to strive for excellence instead of perfectionism. First of all, I want you to recognize and identify your self-inflicted rules. Now, you are going to have self-inflicted rules that manifest in your thinking and also in your behavior. For example, self-inflicted rules in thinking tend to be obsessing about one particular thing that we think has to look a very specific way. So if we were to take the example that I gave earlier about how I had this very specific methodology or rubric of how I needed to do my makeup and that was acceptable and nothing below that was acceptable. And the thinking part of that would be, I can't go out like that. I can't let people see me like that. This is not acceptable. Oh my gosh, how embarrassing. Oh my God. So my thinking, that thinking cycle could clue me in a little bit on what that rule was about. Another great example is if you can't stand to have people come over to your house unless you look flawless or the house is flawless or the carpets have been shampooed or everything's perfectly in its place that is now stealing joy it's causing anxiety it's causing this this kind of freak out what is the thought process that goes behind that Oh my gosh! Nobody can, nobody can see it like this. I would be, oh, I would be mortified if anybody. I haven't called the cleaners. I haven't. So you can start clueing into the thought process. What are the obsessive thoughts that happen around those self-inflicted rules? Because nobody says your house has to look that way. Nobody says you have to do your makeup that way. And I'm just giving you, sort of an antiquated, <laughs> scenario in my own life. Because sure as shit, don't, don't do that anymore. But that took me many years to break out of. Right. Because it was a deep-seated belief that was manifesting through that behavioral pattern. Now, you might also recognize your self-inflicted rules through behavior. It might be where you're not even thinking necessarily about it, but you just obsessively start cleaning up the house because, oh my God, somebody's going to come over. And you just clean, 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 clean. And you're just automatically doing things because of that self-inflicted rule. Or you immediately go hustle and try to bake the perfect cupcakes or something, you know, for an event. Because you're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I have to do this thing to be perfect. So start recognizing and identifying where are those self-inflicted rules. Now I have an acronym to help you with this. And it's going to be INC. So we want to think about this as, I guess, imperfection ink. Incorporated, right? I-N-C. So the I is going to stand for identify your triggers. What are your triggers? Are they around body image stuff? Is it always work? Is it always parenting? Is it all of the above? But I want you to zero in on when do these obsessive thoughts start to come in? When do you start feeling anxious and wanting to control that situation like I was mentioning earlier? When is it stealing that joy? Where are those triggers? And a lot of times, I mean, at least it was for me, manifested almost as borderline panic because I felt out of control and because I had adopted that defense mechanism, that behavioral pattern to keep me safe. And now we have to start altering and changing how we feel safe. This is one of the reasons why my program of Deep Down and Dirty goes four months because we have to dismantle and completely change the wiring in the mind that has you associating perfectionism with staying safe. It's also one of the reasons why you can listen to things like this and and not actually make market change because we have to start changing that deep-seated belief. It is incredibly important. And it's not something that I do on the show because it's something that I believe takes a lot more in-depth processing, a lot more one-on-one connection, and me helping somebody through that, which is why Deep Down and Dirty is so damn transformational because we change these beliefs, these disempowering beliefs. All right. So INC, the I stands for identify the triggers. What are your particular triggers? N stands for notice. Notice. Notice your first reaction, okay? Your first reaction is probably going to be one of panic, a desire to control, a, oh my gosh, it has to look this way, it has to be this way, I have to be this way. That's usually when the rule is going to pop in. Your first reaction is likely going to be one of perfectionism. Remember, it's embedded in our subconscious mind. It's become a belief. It's become a habit. That means it's going to be your gut response. It's going to be your initial reaction. Notice your first reaction. That's the N. And then C, calibrate the standard. So if we're looking at Calibration and what that means is to adjust, right? We're going to adjust and change this standard. So it might be something like this Okay, I just got an invite to a birthday party, and my first instinct was, Holy shit, I have to hand make. A gift for this person or I have to go out and buy something really expensive. I need to have the perfect outfit to wear to this place. I need to bring a homemade seven-layer dip to this function, to this birthday party. And so your first instinct, that first reaction is all of the levels of perfectionism. Then we have to go into calibrate the standard. Let's reevaluate this. What is really true? Is any of that really true? No. How can we calibrate this for excellence instead of perfection? Well, maybe I make a date with this person for a later time and say, I want to treat you to dinner. Or I decide to give them a gift card or I decide to pull out a dress that I haven't worn for a really long time instead of freaking out about buying something new. Maybe I buy something, God forbid, at the store from the deli instead of making it from scratch. Start to calibrate the standard. This is the part that matters because when you notice the first reaction, right, When we notice that first place where we start going into all of the rules of how it has to be, that's when we start the rumination process. That's when we start the obsession. So if we move into the calibration right after that and go, okay, wait, let's calibrate the standard here. Let's adjust and start looking at how could I tweak this? One of the things I ask myself all the time is what is my fastest avenue to peace especially when my mind is spinning like that, what is my fastest avenue to peace? And oftentimes, it's quick decisions. Quick decisions are so much better for us than that rumination process when we're up against this obstacle in particular. All right, so let's re uh, revisit these four. Number one, stop identifying as a perfectionist. Stop calling yourself that. Number two, Identify what do you make it mean if you are not perfect. And again, if you are coming up with some of those deep-seated beliefs that I am not enough, I'm not worthy, please go check out that workshop. It's completely free, y'all. And the link will also be in the show notes. Number three, adopt this notion of tackle now, finesse later. Tackle now, finesse later. And then finally, number four, strive for excellence, not perfection. And use that ink. Acronym. Identify your triggers, notice your first reaction, and then calibrate the standard. Start changing what is now going to be acceptable. I'm hoping that this has been hugely helpful for you. Next week, I will be talking with Ashley Looker and Jenna Teague, and they are Amazing at all things perfectionism. And they run, like I mentioned, a website called F Perfect. They are going to be on the show, hopefully, if I can catch them when I dial them up. And I do so hope that you got lots from this particular episode. Please make sure that whatever you are doing, you don't just shut off your pod player or whatever platform you're listening on and just go, oh, yeah, that sounded like me a little bit. Decide on what actual- you are actually going to employ. It's so easy for us to consume and then do nothing with it. You've got to hit the mat. I've said this tons of times. You cannot read a book on Pilates, listen to all the podcasts on Pilates, follow all the influencers on Pilates, and get rockin' abs. You have to hit the mat. The same is true for the work that we do here. You cannot just consume it. Decide on what is your action step. Maybe it's using the INC acronym. Maybe it is figuring out what you make it mean around being perfect, figuring out what that deep belief is. Maybe it's watching the workshop that I invited you to, which again will be in the show notes or you can go to the slash workshop. But whatever it is, decide on your action step. All right. Well, I will see you around these parts next week. Here is to loving and living your most badass life.